back to Planeswalk with us. As always, it's your host, Scott, a.k.a. Cyborg Heart. And Zach. I guess I'll just say a.k.a. Midnight, so I guess <laughs> it doesn't matter at this point. I think it's already out in the first episode anyway. Maybe. Uh, and welcome to, what is this, episode four? This is episode four. No. Yeah. Episode... Yeah, episode four of Innistrad. Uh, we got two more after this. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's the Crimson Vow after this, and then the supplemental stuff. We the weak and weary walk upon walk upon a plane so dreary. <laughs> it, so much time in Innistrad, and it is the bleakest plane. It, it so is, and we're going to start to see, like, the first time actually, like, red mana comes into play, and it's in the best and worst ways. <laughs> Uh, for Innistrad? Um, can I hazard a guess yeah, as to how it. the red mana comes into play? Does it potentially involve Chandra? No. Not really? Okay, because um, I, didn't, I didn't read ahead, but I was looking at the wiki this morning, and she has entries in Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow. She does appear in this, uh, but not to like the very, very end. Oh, okay. Like, okay. she's part of, like, essentially the epilogue of this block. Um, but just to give a quick recap to our listeners, so... As we know, Avison was destroyed by Sorin, which ended her natural protection on the plane. This caused the final stage of Nahiri's plan to come to fruition, and that was to bring the Eldrazi Titan uh, Emrakal to the plane, who in turn was sealed in the moon by Tamiel via Emrakal's own machinations. Wait, wait, just uh, double-checking. Who brought Emrakal to the plane? Uh, Nahiri. Okay, okay, I just wanted to double-check. Because yeah, she was so pissed off at what Heinrich with Zendikar... That. She brought the strongest Eldrazi Titan yeah. as a weapon. We're, we're, you and I are actually going to talk about that today, because yeah. we're also recording the first episode of Innistrad's time, or um, yeah. Zendikar's timeline, so we're going to be talking about that as well. I'm actually excited, because like, Zendikar is like one of those things that... It, it's on the fringes of every piece of research I do, no matter the plane. Yeah. So yeah. I can't wait to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I sealed inside the moon with a combination of... Gatewatch, Liliana Vess, and Emrakal working through Tamio. Again, Tamio, poor lady, gets possessed every time. Yep, two out of two so far. Uh, it kind of ends with Liliana joining the Gatewatch, and Tamio actually refuses to join. She's more concerned with just like, hey, I just want to go home. I'm kind of done with you people. My mouse son needs me. Yeah, pretty Nashi. much. Yeah. Um, now, the only angel left on the plane, the only archangel, is Sigardo. And she becomes the new protector. She takes over Avison's role, answers people's prayers, and kind of distributes the angels to, like, all right, go here to save these people, go here, and such. Are the angels still under the influence of whatever corruption had destroyed Avison's mind? Or was that a... Avison became corrupted and that filtered to all the angels? Both. So Avison kind of, like, took command of the corrupted angels, but she was also the first one corrupted. Mm. So it's impossible to say what was doing it. Okay. Uh, it does look like that it was a combination because they immediately fall in the line behind Avison. But on top of that, Nahiri was messing with the plane's mana mm-hmm. to begin with. Yeah, in order to get... Um, she was redirecting every ley line on the plane to summon Emrakal. Okay. Um, so this temporary corrupting of the plane, the angels and all that, after Emrakal is sealed, that becomes known as the Travalis. And it's just sort of like the trials and tribulations that everyone faced during this time. Hmm, okay. Now, about, I think about like two years have passed at this point. So, you know, things have moved on. People are settling down. And we start off actually with... Is Emrakal still on the plane? She's still sealed in the moon. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. She got sealed in the moon. Okay, wow. The moon, the, so the Hell Vault is that powerful that it can seal an Eldrazi Titan. The Hell Vault was just a shard of the moon that Sora oh, created. Oh, she sealed. Oh, but okay. But yeah. Emrakul used Tamio to seal herself in the moon because Innistrad wasn't ready to be destroyed yet. That's right. Okay, okay. She but pulled a bait and switch on herself. Yeah, this is a recap for both the audience and me, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that I edited the episodes and I've listened to them at least twice. And we did it, what, two weeks ago? Uh, I mean, two weeks is a yeah, It's a lifetime in this. Um, to start off, we actually start off with a uh, vampire family we haven't really touched on, the uh, Falcon Rats. These are the ones known for, like, the Mastery of Flight, but they're also known to, like, walk with humans hmm. just to, like, sow fear. Did we not talk about these? Because we talked about vampires with a mastery of flight. I just touched off on them. We didn't oh, okay, really get okay. into now, them. Now we're really talking yeah. about them. Is it, is it Fal- I think it's Falcon Wreath, because I've seen cards like Falcon Wreath. It's, fa- it's F-A-L-K-E-N-R-A-F. Oh, okay. Falcon Wrath. Falcon Wrath, okay. Uh, we start off with Klaus Falcon Wrath. That is a weird mouth mouthful and we get to him and he's just like having fun with people so what he had done is he dressed himself as a monk and went into a town and was selling wards to people and then just killed someone in front of him <laughs> i just him like these will keep you safe from vampires legitimately <laughs> like that's what he did um his whole thing is he wants to sow fear because it makes the blood taste better okay so so he's using the wards to like Get this to protect yourself from all that's out there. Right. Oh, and yes, then, don't forget about the vampires and werewolves. And remember when those angels were killing us like a year ago? Yeah. Okay, so it's like a reminder, essentially, like putting the idea in people's heads that they need to be scared. It's that when once he works himself into the town, like the center of it, he kills someone and just takes off, like in front of everyone. Oh, good. So they know that, like, okay, there's a vampire that can infiltrate. We're kind of screwed. Yeah. And uh, he runs into the woods a bunch of hunters go after him like these five burly men and klaus is like he's a showman so he he's like leading him on he's dancing with them he's fucking with them well it's, it's funny you say showman because we said five burly men my brain went to the 12 days of christmas and five burly <laughs> men four larger men and three smaller men <laughs> and two smaller men and one burly man um, and one giant big orgy <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Klaus is running through the woods. He uh, he kind of jumps up on this like felled log and spreads his arms out. He's like, "Yes, look at me!" And he starts to take flight. Well, the men start laughing and they all turn into werewolves and attack him. Oh, and he's trying to get away. He's like in the and air. Now he's actually worried. He's about. afraid, oh, yeah. like legitimately afraid. And as he's fleeing up into the air, they just jump, drag him down, and eat him. Like just tear him limb from limb, Ooh. and. We actually switch over to Arlen Cord now. Yeah. I was just thinking, are these people... Well, I'll, I'll let you get to it. I was gonna... So she's meeting with the wife of the man that Klaus killed. Okay. And we learn a couple things here. This is where we learn that the days on the plane are getting shorter. So... And they weren't long to begin with, from my understanding. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, like, mechanical clocks in, like, town centers, like clock towers are reading like four in the afternoon, but the sundials that people use are like, it's like six thirty seven o'clock. Hmm. And that's not normal, even for the plane. This is the origin of daylight savings time. Keep in mind daylight savings. Oh God. <laughs> um, and 
the second thing we learn is that this widow keeps mentioning this witch that her husband was seeing, and he was giving her him wards to protect them. Hmm. And Arlen is like, all right, let's go take a look, see what's going on. Let's go track down this wolf. This wolf or this witch? Witch, sorry. Yeah, yeah, okay. Sorry, a lot of lot of W words. Yeah. Which uh, wolf wins the water? Okay, go on. <laughs> which wolf wards the werewolves against the cold reach of the night? Yeah, okay, well, you lost the W. I know, I lost <laughs> it. But, um, but we, and Arlen actually has her own pack now, and this is where we learn that werewolf packs are basically a head werewolf and then naturally born wolves. Okay. So it's a werewolf leading wolves. Um, and she has five in her pack. Okay. There's Streak, his mate Red Tooth. <laughs> don't don't want don't Sorry, want to know how he, don't want don't want don't, oh, Jesus Christ don't want to know how he got that name. <laughs> he has a streak of color in his ah, Okay, okay. Sorry, there's four: uh, Streak, Red Tooth, Patience, and Boulder. And Arlen named them all. Okay. Which I think is adorable. And um, so the werewolves can communicate with the wolves. Yeah, it's it's not clear how. I guess when they become werewolf, they just become it could like be the wolf, howl. Yeah. yeah, wolf instincts. It, but it's also it also alludes to almost like a telepathic communication. Well, I mean, that almost, probably not telepathic, but it, like probably the same as like wolves in real life, where I think yeah. it's like body language and other things like that. It could also be just like communicating a pitch that humans wouldn't be able to hear in yep. the first place. Yep. Um, and so they take off in the woods. They're trying to find this wit, this witch, and Arlen finds an opal hanging from a tree. Hmm. Which that's kind of weird. Uh, it's like okay, well, obviously that bodes ill, right? They go on. She finds another one, and she keeps finding more until they come to this clearing, and there's an albino deer that's there. And normally that's not such a strange thing, but Arlen makes a note to point out that they just hunted one like a couple of days ago. And they're not that common. Yeah, I mean, they should be extremely rare, like I one mean, in a hundred. There's one in where we live, and anytime someone sees it, it's huge news. Really? I've never heard of that. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you say, I mean, people could already probably figure it out based on that information yeah. where we live, but uh, I actually cut it out because I mentioned it at one point, but. Now, this deer is actually like freaking them out for a couple reasons. Like I said, first, they already came across one a couple days ago. Yeah. Two, it's not reacting like a deer. It's actually, like, holding its ground and watching them. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Um, my my spines are tingling. I think I know what's going on here. And finally, it doesn't smell like a deer. It smells like magic. Okay. So Arlen changes back to human, and <laughs> there's always a question of, okay, what do you do with your clothes when you transform? Turns out that... Patience, one of the wolves, carries a little bag with Arlen's clothes. <laughs> like, like the rescue dog with a barrel around Pretty its much. Neck. <laughs> Which, again, adorable. Yeah. Uh, and so Arlen transforms, and she's sort of hiding herself from this deer behind this big stone archway. And what she's Just in, in the middle of the forest. There's right. a random stone archway. Well, it's part of a what we're getting into. This is part well, of the festival. I know, but it's like, okay, I mean, if you find an archway in the woods, it's like, at best, a druid. At worst, a portal to, like, a fairy realm or something. Uh, kind of. Oh, great. Well, more druid than fairy realm. Okay, okay. Uh, and we're in the ruins of the Celestis. It's an ancient structure deep in the Ovenwald, which is the forest that surrounds Cassane. Yep, yep. And when she comes back around the stone arch, so, like, she goes behind one side, comes around the other, and the clearing's completely different. 
there are tents and a camp there. There's floating candle guides. We would actually call them jack-o'-lanterns. Okay. And this is the first time we hear the word Harvestite Festival. Yay. So, or boo, depending. I don't. I still don't know. It's called a festival. I still have no idea if it's a good thing or not. It, it's a very good thing. This is a good thing for the plane. Uh, my, legitimately. I've, <laughs> I've, narrowed my, I've narrowed my eyes in suspicion. So Arlen goes in and she is greeted by Katilda, who is the leader of the Dawnheart Coven. As a quick backstory to her, she grew up as a teacher and a healer called Arvenbrook. Arvabrook. Oh, which, yeah. Uh, the, the one werewolf card, Avabrook Caretaker. Right. Yep. Uh, it was destroyed by werewolves, and I, I don't mean it was like everyone was killed and wiped out. It was taken over by werewolves. They performed some sort of blood magic and flattened it like a pancake. Like, just destroyed it. Did they eat it like a pancake? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would. It'd be wasteful not to. You gotta use every part of the buffalo. It was a town. You gotta use every part of the town. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> uh, so she, Katilda, survived, and she met up with the Dawnheart Coven, trained in magic, and after about two years becomes their leader. Can I get her name one more time? Katilda. Katilda, okay. Uh, no idea when this happens, because there's a little conflicting information mm. where she seems to be in, like, her 50s or 60s, Averbook was mentioned as being destroyed only a couple years ago. Yeah. But at the same time, Katilda talks about things that happened centuries ago as if she was there. Hmm. So I don't know if that's a retconning error. I don't know if it's yeah. knowledge passed down to the ages. Well, I will say, like, um, <clears throat> one thing I'm noticing, particularly with Zendikar, is it's not very consistent with the lore. Because, uh, like, it comes from so many different sources. Yeah. And. Um, I think it's more consistent now that they've switched to this online story um, format. That's what seems to be happening. The main author of the canon stories, like the main storyline, is Kay Arsenal Rivera. Currently. Yes. Okay. So she's the one who's done... Uh, if you ever go online and take a look, there's stuff like episode one, episode two. Those are the main stories. Yeah. And then all the side stories will just have their name. She seems to be the one doing all of the canon stories for it. And honestly, love her work. She's done a great job with this. Yeah, but every now and then you get a plot hole or two. Yeah, and you know what? That's fair. Yeah. So, Arlen starts talking with this witch. She knows the name Katilda. She doesn't know anything else about her, though. Yeah, I think Katilda actually has a card, too. Yeah, she has several cards. Okay, okay. And Katilda does that whole, like, monk thing where she's like, oh, yes, the dew on the on the forest floor means the sun will come in the morning, rather than just tell what she's trying to tell her. Oh. Like, like that weird, like, double talk, well, weird innuendo thing. So that thing. actually makes sense, then. If she's a monk, then... She's she, a witch. Well, but if she's doing, like, the monk thing. Yeah. So she probably is alluding to be, like, 50 or 60, and that she's pretending to be, but, that's, but then she's actually hundreds of years old, and that's why she remembers centuries ago. It could be. Like I said, it, there's a lot of conflicting information with her. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she does the whole double talk. Arlen gets fed up, and she's like, listen, just tell me what the, what the hell you want. And this that's, is... That's that red green for you. Yeah. This is where we get the meaning behind the Harvestide Festival. And... It was thrown hundreds of years ago, kind of fell out of practice because the Avicen religion took over, kind of, you know, made it sort of like a pagan belief. We're not going to yeah, pay attention to it. Take away uh, like the beliefs of the land and shift it into uh, a deity. Exactly. Never seen that before. No, no, never. And 
what the Harvest Side Festival is, is it brings a swelling of hope and happiness to people, hmm. which can be channeled into magic. Yeah. And that will be used to power the Celestius, that huge machine, which is a huge machine that can control the movement of the sun and the moon in the Innistrad plane. Hmm. So they're going to use that to fix the day-night cycle. Okay. Um, however... What they need to do it is something called the Moon Silver Key, which actually does have a card. It is the Moon Silver Key. Actually, I actually have it in my bedroom. No. Um, and what do you do with that card in your bedroom? I was going to add it to my uh, my Eldrazi deck. Ah. It's not fun. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure. I mean, the Eldrazi deck is not fun. And Catilda uh, tells her, like, listen, we need this key, but it's missing. Um, before we get any more information, Arlen hears the how of a werewolf toll of our calling her and she goes off to find arlen goes off to find tolivar while that's happening we actually get a side story here which is really cool i wasn't going to include i wasn't included in the supplemental episode but it introduces two really major characters okay uh not only for innistrad but for magic as magic as a whole the first one is ren now, she is a dryad planeswalker from an unknown plane, and dryads are tree spirits that are typically half tree, half spirit. So think of them sort of like wood nymphs in Greek mythology. Or spriggans in Skyrim. Exactly. Yep. And normally they stay merge with their tree for life. Ren is very different. Different. Um, when she was young, a forest fire started to tear through the forest where her and her sisters lived. So Ren pulled herself out of the tree and actually used her magic to absorb the forest fire. And it's part of her now. The cool. problem is... Fire and wood don't exactly mix. Exactly. So she's got this everlasting living fire within her, and not every tree can contain it. And the ones that can, can't contain it for very long. Hmm. So what when she... What Ren does is she hops from willing tree to willing tree, and this fills in her other half, but also allows the trees to move as her body. Oh, that explains the name of the card, Ren and Seven. Yes. All right, so Seven is her seventh tree. And we actually get six and seven here. Okay, all right, that's cool. I was wondering, because I always misread it as Ren and Sven. Because <laughs> that rhymes. name keeps coming up. Because <laughs> cool, it rhymes. And then one day I like looked at the card, like really looked at it, and like, oh, Ren and Seven. That's less catchy than Ren and Sven. Yeah. <laughs> she's uh, she's not very creative. <laughs> um, but her current tree is six, and she actually arrives back on Innistrad at six's request. Hmm. They kind of have sort of like a mental link. Is she a planeswalker? Yes. Oh, okay, okay. She is an extremely powerful planeswalker. And she, she can actually take her trees with her. Yes. Because they're part of her. Okay. Uh, she's actually the key to the March of the Machines invasion. Oh. And we'll spoilers. get to that later. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that's coming up... Um, Probably in like six months. <laughs> I was about to say, like six, because we are going... The goal is to go from Zendikar all the way up to the invasion. Yeah. And uh, all will be run one of the fall of the fire. I'll be filling in the little... Yeah. The little ones along the way. Yeah, so, um, oh my God. So they get back to Innistrad, and she's there at Six's request. That's his home plane, and he wants to be replanted where he where he started oh because he's about to he can't handle anymore so he, she needs yeah to he's find. retiring okay. and so okay so she finds a nice little clearing he plants his roots instantly becomes a tree and she can't hear him anymore mm. and she's sort of ejected from him and she's left alone in the middle of the forest on Innistrad 
powerless. She needs a tree to complete herself to planeswalk. And to, and to use her powers, I assume. She can use some of her powers, okay. but she cannot planeswalk. The strain is too much. And okay. because she's a dryad, she basically starts dying the second she's out of a tree. Yep, yep. Now, while Ren is off looking for a tree, we're introduced to a second major character, uh, Tefiri. Do you know who he is? Yeah, no, he, well, he's, yeah. I was, sorry, I was like, I, I think it's Tafari, but, right? T, it's T-E-F-E-R-I. T-E-F-A. He's a uh, black guy. Bald. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, th- I always thought it was Tafari, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, he was huge for the pre, he was the pre-mending era, like, dude. Yeah. Um, and he is, like, the dude now. Oh, okay. Um, he's a very unique planeswalker. He is one of the ones that is, like, he just doesn't age. He He's pre-mending well, era. Well, because he's a Time Lord, too. That's his whole thing, isn't he? He's, like, Tafari the Time Reveler. He uses time magic, but it really doesn't affect him. It's just the whole planeswalker thing where oh, yeah. he's just living he's forever. Yep. Uh, he's one of Urza's students, and if you know anything about Magic the Gathering... Urza was kind of the one who kicked off the whole shebang with expanding the lore by blowing up half a plane. And he's the reason why people were so afraid of Phyrexia to begin with. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I actually don't know anything about that at this point in time. Yeah, well, we'll get to him. I think he's on Dominaria. I think that's where he's Yeah, from. well, I've been avoiding Dominaria and Ravnica. Yeah, those are just because I've already got my hands full <laughs> as it is. So, uh, so yeah, as you said, uh, Tafari, he can manipulate time, but it's not like, oh, I can pause things indefinitely. Like, it puts a strain on him. Hmm. And he's so important. We're definitely going to have to have our own episode just about him. Yeah. He's just there to visit in a strat. He has no ulterior motives. He's just heard about the plane and was like, I'm going to take a summer holiday there. <laughs> yeah, right. He got a postcard like, come see Delightful Innistrad. There's vampires, werewolves, and about six hours of daylight. It, right. It's and cold he's and like, foggy every day. Sounds like a great vacation. <laughs> awesome. He's actually like a really down-to-earth, go-with-the-flow kind of guy, though. Like, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always there to help. He's always in a good mood. All right. Um, I and, just, that changes my perception, because I've always hated him, because his planeswalkers are always like... You, now your opponent doesn't get to play. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that's just, that's who he is. Yeah. And we see that later, like, him playing oh, some shenanigans. Great. He's staying in a town with a couple people, like, he realizes, like, yeah, the people on Innistrad, they keep an arm's distance, but they're also very uh, hospitable to people. Like, they're not going to turn you away, they're not going to, like, throw rocks at you. Like, oh, come in from the cold, we'll get you, you know, someplace warm. So he's staying there, and he hears about a white witch in the woods. Uh, from the Cathars. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to go investigate another thing. Nothing better to do. Let's go check this out. Hmm. And as they're trudging through the woods, he kind of holds back, lets them march ahead and slips off on his own. And he finds Ren, who is the White Witch. Uh, oh, OK. So the townsfolk are going on a literal witch hunt. Or... Yeah, they think she's a witch. They just know she's a white entity in the woods. Oh, OK. Yeah. Are they going to kill it or are they just going to find it? Yes. <laughs> oh, OK. They, they don't know what she is so they're off to kill it that's on Innistrad that's usually the safest bet probably if you don't know what it is it's probably hostile uh finds her and Ren is like on her knees and she's talking to the sapling his little tree and Tafari's like okay what are you doing and realizes the Cathars will like attack her so he kind of partners up with her and they go off wandering around to keep her safe Excuse me. As they're talking, 
Ren tells him, like, listen, she found a tree that can hold her power, which was that sapling, but it's too young. So Davari ages it up. Yes and no. (laughs) Okay. Um, As they're walking, they're attacked by something. It doesn't really clear. It could be a werewolf, vampire. It's not really sure. Sure. Tafari, as sort of like a instinct, obliterates it with a time spell. Nah. The problem is it sticks them in a time loop. Like, they're just little, legitimately walking in circles. Uh, the forest keeps looping around and time keeps reversing for them. And this is where Ren actually comes in and tells him how to use his magic properly. So he I mean, isn't Tafari like 10,000 years old at Yes, this point? and he still doesn't know how to use time magic well. Man, what a dork. Um... It's the big spells he has trouble with, and mm. we get to that when we talk about what he's done in the past. That's a whole thing. Yeah. But Ren tells him, like, you got to stop thinking of it like a clock mechanism. Think of it like tangled roots, and you need to untangle them. Mm. And that's yeah. the key to him undoing the spell so they can get out of the loop. Okay. Now, throughout this, Ren is getting, like, weaker and weaker to the point she can barely walk because mm. she needs a tree. And what it ended up happening is... When Tafari undid the spell, the sapling absorbed some of the magic and grew into a full tree. Oh, okay, okay. So it's strong enough now for Ren to possess it, which she named Seven. I know this isn't how it goes, but I picture he's like got like a tiny little like baseball sized dryad in his hand. The tree's <laughs> growing up. It's like I'm ready to accept her. He just like baseball puns her, <laughs> and then she just like hits the tree with like a, and then just gets absorbed in. <laughs> she kind of like melds into it, like ripples on a water. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is a great effect for such a hard surface like wood. Yeah. Uh, Ren like kind of boosts Safari's self confidence up. She's like, I know you've done some shit because Safari's done some shit. And she's like, I think I like you. So, you know, just keep keep doing what you're doing. It's also, I mean, does he really need a confidence boost? He did save the universe at this point by mending the time rifts in Dominaria. He also destroyed half the continent of Dominaria. Dominaria. Uh, like, legitimate. Can't make an omelet without beating... Breaking the entire egg. <laughs> like, no, I'm glad you finished that, because I was going to make a joke, and then it was going to go in a horrible direction. This is, uh, I'm just going to go back into this. Uh, this is actually Ren's first chronological appearance. And like I said, yeah, so this is Ren's first chronological appearance. And this is, Innistrad's weird because a lot of the planeswalkers that pop up, this is their first appearance, but they're not from the plane. Yeah. Like, Ren isn't from Innistrad. Tamiel wasn't from Innistrad. And this is the first time we meet both of them. Yeah. What, what year was Innistrad released? Oh, jeez. I think this... Well, that was like 15 or 16, right? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, like, Innistrad was all over the place up until they did the story stuff. So I want to say, like, 2015, I think. Oh, wow. It's that old. Okay. Yeah. I mean, because Midnight Hunt and Crimson Vow, which are the two most recent... It came out in 22 or 2020? 22. Because that's when we started playing. Yeah. Yeah, so 20... This time last year, actually. Oh, okay. Um, so that's December 2022, I think, right around then. And now we go back to Arlen, who's meeting up with Tolivar. Yeah. And I'm going to split this into two sections. Can you try and find the key? This is just her responding to a howl she heard. Right, right. But she, she hasn't gotten the information <clears throat> about the key yet. No, I thought she did get the information about the key, then the howl happened. Like, she hasn't found the key, but she knows that they're looking for it. Right, but this is something separate than the key. 
I know, I know. Okay. I'm just catching myself back up to where we left yeah. off. Okay. So, Catilda was telling her about the key before they get into it and, like, get the importance and all of that. Uh, Arlen hears this howl and chases after it. Okay, okay. And I'm going to split this into two sections because it's presented story-wise as a mix of past and present. Okay. And I hate when stories do that unless it's absolutely necessary. It's not for this case, so I'm just going to go through it. Okay. And when Arlen first awakened as a werewolf, she kind of lost herself in the transformation, which is pretty typical. And the person who found her was Tolivar, who at this time, again, in the past and in the present, is one of the strongest werewolves on the plane. And he takes time to explain to her, like, he's very caring. He lifts her up, tells her, like, no, this is natural. Don't worry. You know, kind of give yourself into the transformation. And he's trying to indoctrinate her in his mentality, which okay. is werewolves should be the top of the food chain. Oh, great. And they should not have any competition. And uh, just to recap for the audience and make sure I understand, when she lost control is when she slaughtered, like, half of a church. No, that was when she... That was after trying to hold it off for, like, years. This is her very first transformation. Oh, very first transformation. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, Toast. You want to join the podcast? She's, like, clawing my leg. Um, yeah, she wants up. She clawed at mine, too, but I don't want to take that. So, cats, oh, cats have burned me before by, like, you put them on your lap, and then they just dig their claws, and you're like, I don't want that. I have, like, scars on my thigh. <laughs> um... So he kind of indo- tries to indoctrinate her, like, hey, we should be top of the food chain. We shouldn't have any competition. And most importantly, we shouldn't have to hide what we are. Hmm. And But in his mind, the only way to do that is just kill everyone. Yeah. I mean, the only point I agree with is that they shouldn't have to hide it. Because like, exactly. werewolves aren't inherently evil. Like, they yes, just they can't can. control it. Yeah. And I think if you're like a decent person, you can find ways. You can, you can loop in yourself. Put yourself under the Whomping Willow. I think the best way to think about it is it's sort of like schizophrenia yeah in a way it they have no control over it it can be classified as some form of by extreme bipolar disorder yeah and if they're just kept separate during the transformation they're fine yeah which isn't Uh, right you can go yeah (laughs) and uh so she kind of joins tolvar's pack and they kind of grow in number over and over again while she's hunting a deer with him though a couple of boys from her town who are now hunters catch her and they start attacking her. The only thing she remembers is leaping towards this deer to kill it and a crossbow bolt hitting her in the chest. Mm. And the next thing Arla knows is she wakes up and all of them are dead and she's covered in their blood. Yeah. So a regrettable outcome. Yeah. This is where we lead into what happened afterwards. This is where she joins the church and fully devotes herself to trying to keep the transformation at bay as long as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Skipping ahead to the present now, she finds Tolivar and confronts him, uh, finding his pack in the Keswick Woods. Uh, But there's now dozens of them, instead of just, like, a couple here or there. And they're gearing up for a big hunt. She doesn't know what they're hunting, but the force, the size of the force, is just so massive. There's a goal in mind here. Mm Mm-hmm. During, I have a distinct feeling I know what that goal is. Yeah. Uh, during this, we actually learn that there's a new pack forming called the Dire Pack. Uh, before I get into them, I'm just going to give a quick rundown of all the different packs on Innistrad. Yeah, yeah. And they're referred to as Howl Packs. 
Okay. Instead of, instead of werewolf packs, there's wolf packs. Um, so the first one is the Crawlin Horde. They're led by Ulrich. They're a very classic version of Werewolf on Innistrad. I think they're actually one of the oldest packs mm. uh, chronologically released. And what's unique about Ulrich is, Ulrich is he stays with them even while in human form. So he never leaves the wolves. Oh. And they're so between... Kind of, can't sneak up on me. <laughs> <laughs> like bashed your head in my leg while I'm listening to you talk. I know. Start with me. They're between 50 and 200 strong, depending on availability of wolves. And they survived Avazin's curse mute. Like, the, the pack has remained mostly intact. Okay. The, ne- the next is the Mon- Mondroan Howl pack. They are known for using dark magic and are about 60 in size. The only one we have named is Rayla. I don't know if she's the na- the leader, but she's the only one we have a name of. Okay. And the only other card we have, uh, sorry, the only card we have is the Modron Shaman, but it doesn't say who it is. It may be Rayla, maybe someone else. Uh, they were mostly active until Avacyn was freed from the Hell Vault, and then they just kind of, just kind of dissolved and like broke apart. There's the L- Lirag Howl Pack, they are known to be fully black and they're the only werewolf pack that hunts during the full moon. That's when they transform. I'm sorry, not full moon during the new moon. New moon. Okay. And they are led by Shakara. Oh, wow. That must be a terrifying combo. Fully black werewolves hunting in a new new moon moon, where the only light is the moon. Yeah. They have a tendency to kill orphans and children. Oh, good. And, well, so they do have this weird thing with Shakara where she would wipe out entire families, but she would leave like the servants and the farmhands alone. She would only go after like the top one percent, yeah, like a woman of the people. Yep, sure. Quite literally, <laughs> eating the rich, as it were. Exactly. They were also active until Avacyn was freed from the Hell Vault. They also d- dissolved. There's the Bildren Howl Pack. They were led by Rahilda, and they were active after the Curse Mute had ended. They were made up of people who had killed before coming were- a werewolf, so they were murderous werewolves to begin with. Okay. And they're still active in Kessig and Stenza, which is the mountain region and the forest region. Okay. These are the... The next is the Wolfnir. Those are the ones cured by Avacyn. And despite them falling into madness during her her madness, they were able to stay in control, a few of them. And there's have a subgroup called the Silver Furs, which fought alongside the Church of Avacyn during Emrakal's attack. They are led by Johanna and Pravel. We okay. actually touched off on them during the attack on Thraben. Thraben. Uh, there's a co- it, me- it makes a point to mention a couple of silver werewolves there. Okay, okay. The next is the Drone Pack. These are the werewolves that were corrupted by Emrakal. They seem to still be operating in some sense, and they're in an area of Senza called the Somberwald, which is sort of like that version of the, that forested region of the mountains. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I, there's a card that's the Somberwald, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of the land cards from in Innistrad are, are, are like the Keswick Wolfrong, um, which we both have that's in our decks. That's a red-green... Yeah, that's yeah, the one. Yeah, like, okay. you pay X amount, get, they get trampled. Okay, okay. Uh, the last pack is the Dire Pack. And they're a new breed of werewolf that came out after Emrakal was sealed away. So it seems that Emrakal is actually powering up the moon's influence on the plane, mm-hmm. which in turn is powering up new werewolves. Oh, cool. Okay. So in human in human form, they're taller and lankier, so they kind of look more wolf-like. 
Uh, they're more comfortable comfortable in their wolf form and are far larger than other werewolves. Now, I was about to say, I'd, I'd probably also be more comfortable in my wolf form if that was my more powerful form. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I'm just like a kind of a lanky dude in just reality, but then at night I shift into this like bestial werewolf, I think I would probably stay in that form as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, they're also known to run faster and be stronger than the average werewolf. Due to uh, just Amber, being Amber Call, well, due to Amber yeah. influence on the moon. And it seems that silver doesn't affect them. Oh. Yeah. There's unconfirmed reports. Literally, like, the wiki is just like, yeah, there's unconfirmed reports whether or not they do affect them. Okay. But, I mean, if you're twice the size of the average werewolf, I'm pretty sure you can just shrug off an arrow like it's Yeah, nothing. it might just be that silver does affect them, but their skin's so thick that it, it's, yeah, it's harder to pierce. Yeah. So people would think, like, oh, the silver doesn't affect them. Like, it only does well. No, you gotta get deeper. Yeah, you have to, you have to go through the epidermis. Yeah. Um, so... Switching back now, and now we're talking with Tolvar and Arlen, and Tolvar tells them that they're done hunting the vampires and sticking in the shadows. They're just going to wipe out all of Kessig and turn the entire area into their own. Wait, they've already hunted all the vampires? They're, they're, they don't want to hunt the vampires anymore. Oh, okay. They're tired they of okay, it. Okay, yeah, yeah. They don't yeah. care about the vampires. Now they're just... They're going to take over the entire Providence. Okay. And Arlen's like, you can't do that. There's people living here. And he's like, yeah, I know. They're, they're going to be food. Yeah, they're food. Um, <laughs> yeah, you say people, I say snack. Well, Arlen, taking offense to that, yep. transforms and goes to kill him, but is stopped by her own pack. Uh, really? Tolvar has already taken control of him. Oh, dick. Yeah. Again, this is where we don't really see how they communicate. Yeah. Because he doesn't howl. He doesn't whistle. He doesn't talk to him. They just fall in the line behind him. Yeah, well, I guess it'd be like an alpha male thing, but it's like... That... Fun fact, that's actually false. What? The whole alpha male of the wolf pack? Yeah, we don't have to get into that. No, no, I know. <laughs> um, I just meant like, I don't know. Because what I was thinking while we are sitting here is like, I mean, Arlen's got to be stronger than Tovalar, right? No? No. Well, that's a bummer. She's got the Planeswalker magic, but she really doesn't have any spells of her own. Well, yeah, but the Planeswalker should at least enhance the wolf power, right? Because the spark tends to enhance whatever they're good at already true but you could also view the werewolf part as a curse that the planeswalk spark might not enhance hmm. it could be that all of her magic is going to just giving her the ability to shift that could be it too uh so tolver takes over the pack they're they kind of block arlen from attacking him so she kind of leads and arlen leaves. kind of realizes leaves leaves yeah, yeah okay. uh leaves where Tolvar is and kind of realize that she's lost at this point. I mean, there's no point in continuing the fight. Yeah, not without uh, Snatch, Pinky, Gingus, and Bungus. <laughs> Streak, Red Tooth, Boulder, and Patience. Yeah, that's close. <laughs> um, Arlen is kind of like the press. She goes back to Catilda and she's like, okay, what do you need? I'll, I'll help you get this Moon Silver Key. And the next morning after Arlen's going to like rest a little bit, she realizes she needs help to do this, so she actually goes to Ravnica to try and find the Gatewatch. Do you know if she has been there before? I don't know if she's been there before. No, she has. It does mention it. Okay. Although, I, th I think at this point, she's met at least some members of the Gatewatch, right? Didn't she meet Jace when, with Nahiri? No. She met Liliana? I'm just trying to remember. Arlen, at this point, has only really interacted on her own. She's kind of been like a free agent. No, no, because Arlen met with Nahiri, and Nahiri was like, you're me, give it 10,000 years and you'll be me. That's what you said, like, three episodes ago. I think that was Soren. 
No, Nahiri said it, because Arlen was mm-hmm. mad at Nahiri for being mad at Soren or something like that. Yeah, well, we, yeah, yeah, we're well, wasting... I'm sorry for grinding this to a no, hole. I, I can, I, that might be true, I just don't remember. <laughs> oh, okay. I've been reading the, this one script over and over again, so oh, okay. mine's a little... Uh, Focused. Yeah. <laughs> she goes to Ravnica, and she's going to go to Jace, because she is familiar enough with the Gatewatch. She knows Jace, at least. Um... The funny thing is, there's, like, politics on everything in Ravnica, mm. and it mentions, like, just to get into his house, she has to fill out three forms and swear two oaths that just to get into his apartment, and he's not even there. Well, at that point, at this point, he's probably the living guild back, right? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, so at this point, he's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Um, and Ravnica, for, because, it's like, to establish the politics, the D&D campaign Ravnica is called, I think, Ravnica City of Deceit. I think so. Uh, so it's like, yeah, I mean, the whole thing, it's all politics, is Ravnica. It is, oh my god, it's so much. It, the, it's ten factions vying for power yep. at any given time. Coming to this podcast in 70,000 years. Yeah. Um, so she gets there, Jace is in his apartment, and she goes looking for Tafiri for, I don't know how she knows him, she just maybe knows him by word of mouth, and... She meets with him, Chandra, and Kaya, and they head back to Innistrad. I'll do a little bit more on Kaya later. And when they get back to the Celestis, there's more people, and even Cathars are coming to join this festival. The Harvest Festival. Yes. Yep. <clears throat> and it's more just like safety in numbers at this point, because the Celestis is located in Kessig, where the wolves are hunting. Yeah. So there's no point in them being off on their own, they should at least have safety with other yeah, people. Yeah, let's group ourselves together yeah. for the horde of werewolves that we know are coming. And this is where Catilda explains what the festival is meant to do, that it's going to channel all that hope and that positivity, turn it into magic, and then the Celestis can use that to fix the day-night cycle. And there's this moment between Catilda and Tefiri where they're talking about how old magic gets stuck in its ways, where the older the magic is, the more it relies on the ritual. Yeah. It's not about what you want to do, it's the steps to get there. Yeah. Which we yeah. actually do see a lot in modern media. Yeah, that's something, because, like, that's a pretty common thing. Uh, I'm thinking of Dresden Files specifically, but, like, whenever there's an ancient ritual, the, like, whatever is being conducted by the ritual is bound to do whatever it's going to do. It cannot deviate. You can't, exactly. like, cast the ritual and be like, oh, okay, I want you to do this. It's like, no, I cast the ritual and you do this. And that is it. And there's no bending from that. I, yeah, I, I mean, that's all over media. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even video games have that logic to a certain extent. Uh, but they start conversing and this is where they learn, you know, the rest of the Gatewatch learns that that Moonsilver Key is missing, and the best place to look would probably be the vault uh, in Thraben. Thraben. And so they go off, and they're joined by a Cathar named Adeline, and a small group of Cathars that follow her. Mm. And that's where they go off to, like, do that. As, uh, for, the, for the audience, I'm going to cut out at least a chunk of silence, but Scott just rolled up his sleeve, so you know things are getting serious. Yeah. Well, my button keeps hitting the table. Oh. <laughs> um as the Gatewatch and Arlen are heading towards the capital, I'm just going to call them the Key Seekers at this point because I keep—I don't want to keep saying Gatewatch and Company. Uh, the Harvest Fest, Side Festival is still going on. It's like an ongoing week-plus-long process. Um, and 
there is a role in the festival called the Harvest Tide Sovereign, and they're sort of the mascot for the event. They kind of like go around like, hey, how you doing? How you been? Uh, like, this, this makes me nervous because I'm remembering what you told us about the um, the really sadistic vampires where they get a human, make him like the king for three days. This is the just, exact opposite. This yeah, is a good well, thing. Because like, I'm worried like, uh, is this going to turn out like that? <laughs> uh, this is... Well, it's fine for the mascot. Let's just get it that. Oh, okay. okay. So, oh god, this is actually uh, Lenore. She actually has her own commander deck. Really? Yes. All right. Um, Googleage time. Um, uh, L e i n. L e i n. O r e. And just M T G. Autumn Sovereign. Yep, that's it. All right. This um, is our friend Caitlin's deck. Oh, has she used this? Oh, this is that token deck. Yep, that's one of her token decks. Oh, okay, she's used it like once. Um, all right. Kind of Wicked Witch of the Westy. Yes, uh, which, but in positive. I don't know. The card doesn't look positive. She looks evil as hell in this card. Well, her whole thing is to go around, and her job is to keep people's spirits up. So she embodies the festival. She wears one of the witch's headdresses. She distributes food. You know, like, hey, how you doing? Because, again, they need hope and positivity for the festival to work. Yeah. And that's what she embodies. Okay, so she's the sovereign soldier of good vibes. Exactly. Now, she has a sister named uh, Sinna. Sinia. And they're also, like, passing out charms for people, greeting people as they come into the festival for the first time. And one night, they come across an abandoned campsite. Now... That's not too unusual. You know, people get spooked. They leave in the night. People get eaten all the time. It's in a shred. Well, not here. It's warded. The witches are warded. No one can come or go oh, without. Oh, here, here in the festival. Right. So, like, no werewolves can get in. No vampires can get in. It's wink. completely warded. Wink. No, no, no wink. That's legitimately how it is right now. No, I know, but I'm just <laughs> wink winking. Um, at, but what's really strange is all of their belongings have been left behind at uh, this van and campsite. In a pile of leaves, Cynia finds a headdress, and all of the witches and Lenore wear these really ornate headdresses with, like, antlers and moon symbols and sun symbols, but the one she finds makes her look like a snake. Hmm. And she's like, all right, cool, and she trades what she's wearing for that one. Smart. Right. Um... As she's wearing that, someone comes comes over. She's more confident. Yeah, let me put this thing that's on. That's definitely not cursed. Exactly. <laughs> like, come on, man. <laughs> she puts on the headdress. She becomes more confident, and she starts to sway people to like, see, I'm better than my sister. That kind of thing. She starts to sway people like a snake charmer. Even worse. No oh, good. Uh, one instance is the Dawnheart Covenant passing out charms made of werewolf teeth, and one of the people is like, "How do I know those aren't people teeth?" And. Se- Sinesia, hold on, I gotta read her name. I cannot pronounce it. Sinia, uh, kind of like diffuses the situation, and she's able to talk everyone down, keep everyone keep participating in the festival. But she also starts to display magic. And Sinia, just to make just to double check, um, she's the one with the with snake these snake masks. Okay, yeah, okay. and. But she's, like, doing weird, like, really cursed magic to people. Like, she'll go up to people and, like, touch their forehead and they'll vomit up a snake. Yeah, that's not cool. I mean, I, I don't know. I think that's kind of fun. Right. Like, imagine if that was your party trick. Like, hey, you want to see me make this dude? I don't want to I don't want to barf up a snake. Well, I mean, you'd find someone to consent. It's a party. 
So, someone's gonna be like, yeah, I'll do a baby bar from a snake. <laughs> and then you just touch his forehead. <laughs> Whoa, there's a snake in my boot. <laughs> I'm gonna continue. Uh, one night, uh, Lenore actually finds Sinia is out of the tent where they're staying, and she follows him, and she's dragging this man into the woods by her thro- by his throat. Like, oh. it's taking no effort, and she's just, like, walking with him. Yeah. And she follows him to this clutch of gr- glowing green eggs, and she throws him into one of the eggs. Yeah, so... As Lenore is standing there watching Frozen, Katilda comes up and is like, listen, something is possessing your sister. I don't know how to stop it. The only thing we the only option we have is to kill your sister. Yeah, so, definitely not remove the cursed snake mask. They no. don't think they can. Oh, wow. that's the problem. I mean, do they try? We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> um, so when Lenore hears that, she throws off Katilda's aim and something is being awakened called the Coiled One which is one of the old gods of Innistrad. Mm. This is the only time it pops up. I can find no other information on this thing, but it's a snake god that lives under Innistrad. And as they're arguing, this woman who is kind of in the shadows directing Sinia called Sarath comes up and she starts fighting Katilda. Like they're throwing magic back and forth. They're just beating the crap out of each other. And Lenore drags Sinia away as the ground starts to split open. Hmm. And it's sort of buckling like a snake's moving under the entire plane. Yeah, like tremors. Right. As, as she's dragging away, this massive snake comes out of the ground, and it's so large, even looking straight up, they can't see the top of it. And yeah, like it sounds like the world serpent. Bigger. Because only its no, like the tip of its nose is out, and they can't see it. Oh, okay. They are running away. Finally, Lenore is able to rip the mask off of her sister. It kind of scars her face a little bit, but she's okay. Yeah. During the struggle, that other witch that was fighting Katilda, Sarah, she falls into the ground and is kind of swallowed up by the moving, moving earth. Once the mask is removed, though, it undoes the ritual that was summoning the snake and it plunges back into the ground. Yeah. So it needs the sacrifice of whoever's wearing the mask. And if no one's wearing the mask, it again, old magic. It has to fall And the then steps. the snake was never heard from again. Exactly. Yeah, because I Googled it while, yeah. while we were talking here. And uh, yeah, all it's got is like a Wikipedia entry on a page where it's like list of secondary characters on Innistrad. Yeah. They, <laughs> like, he came, he did nothing, and then he left. Exactly. Katilda, Lenore. Where did this mask come from? It was made by that other witch, uh, Sarah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, right. she needed a sacrifice to summon the god. So she wanted to summon this god. Yeah, she thought they could use that to rebalance the day-night cycle using its magic, but it's a devourer. It's not yeah, going to do say, that. I, what does a giant snake do to balance the sun? I think it just eats the planet. Yeah. Um, the only evidence they have when they get back to the festival that something happened is that people are missing. No one remembers seeing the snake. Okay. Like, it just vanishes like altogether. The, like the cowl of the gray fox. Yeah. Uh, just as a quick side note here, this is during the story we learned that Lenore and Sinia's mother was actually a werewolf. And after her first transformation, she was so distraught, she just ran off into the woods. Forever? Forever. They never see her again. Oh, good. Um, and that's pretty much the tale, their tale. Uh, I wanted to keep that, this side story, mostly because 
it gives a little insight in Katilda. Yeah. Because she's willing to kill an innocent child, or at least innocent woman, to stop something much worse. Yeah. Which does come into play later, but in a very, in a much better light. Um, I hate this part. Because you ever play an old style RPG? Uh, tons, yeah. Yeah, you know where it's like, oh, we need you to find the magic sword or the key or the scroll or whatever, but every time you get there, it's been moved somewhere else and you yep. need to track it down. Your princess is another castle. Yeah, welcome to the search for the moon silver key. Oh, okay. So, uh, the key seekers have arrived in Thraben, which, as Probably. we know, has been completely destroyed. Yep. And Liliana unleashed the undead hordes there and then just left them. So it's just full of zombies. Cool. Um, and not they don't want to risk just like charging in and try and find in this thing. In a town thing. of zombies, the man with a brain is king. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they send in Kaya, who is the, one of the newer members of Gatewatch. I'm gonna uh, give a, what is the full name for her, her, her full name? It's K-A-Y-A. K-A-Y-A. M-T-G. She doesn't have a last name? She does, I don't remember it. Uh, Kaya Kassir. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give a little backstory. A.K.A. the ghost assassin. Oh, this is Josh's deck. Yeah. No. Uh, I'm going to give a little backstory into her. Um, we're going to talk more about her in Ravnica. She's pretty big there. Oh, okay, okay. And her full name, oh, it's right here, Kaya Kassir. Yeah. And she's the head of the Orzlo Syndicate in name only. She's sort of like a figurehead. Uh, Orzov. Orzov. What the hell did I write? Um, <laughs> yeah, she's an assassin and she has the ability to turn her body into a partial ghost. Oh, that would be fun. So she's like a Danny Phantom almost. Where exactly. She can, like, go through the door, bonk you on the head, and then come back. Exactly. Nice. And this actually gives her a very unique ability for her planeswalking. Because what she can do is turn her hand into a, the ghost, possess someone with it, which extends her planeswalker spark to them, oh, and, and she can pull her. Okay. So she can. she's one of the few planeswalkers that can pull living things with her. One of the things, I don't know if this is a pattern, but I'm starting to notice it because I was looking at Tezzeret earlier. Yeah. Um, it seems like this is a purple ability because she's got purple in the card art I'm looking at. Tezzeret's commonly drawn in purple. So I wonder if, like, the ability to bring people with you when you planeswalk, like, purple is meant to denote that. I don't, I don't know. I'm just right. kind of thinking. I think it might. I think she is a... I think she's a black white. This could be a black ability. Yeah, but I'm just—I mean, the color purple specifically is yeah. meant to denote like I can bring people with me when I planeswalk. Right. I don't know. Now, um, this ability to possess things and turn them ghostly extends her weapons as well. She uses daggers that she can turn into ghost daggers to actually kill ghosts. Cool. Uh, <laughs> So they send her in because, you know, she can get around the zombies. They can't touch her. And she finds a book that says a Cathar with the last name Betzold a few hundred years ago uh, was given a box by a witch. And this is where the inconsistencies with Catilda start to come up because the witch looks like Catilda. But Catilda's town, which she fled from, was only destroyed a couple years ago. Okay. So, again, I don't know if it's author thing. I don't know if it's... They could also just yeah. drawn her... They could have just drawn... It Katilda. could just be the headdresses passed down. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, so, Arlen actually recognizes the name Betzold as a bishop she knew named Warren Betzold. And he was part of the sector of the church and where she studied. 
fun fact, he was re- resurrected as a zombie by uh, Liliana. Oh, good. And so they have to go find this guy who's in the city. They f- do find him. He's still a zombie. What was his name? Warren? Warren. It's like, it's, it's like instead of Where's Waldo, it's Where's Warren. Where's and Warren? he's one zombie among millions of zombies. Exactly. Uh, weirdly enough, he's... I don't know if this is a zombie trait. I don't know if it's a fact that the zombies have been left alone for so long. Hmm. But he's giving sermons in a church. Oh, like, as a like, like, like a sense memory? Right. Okay. Like, he's just repeating... You know, pray to Everson, pray to Everson. And the zombies in the church are, like, bowing to him. It, don't know if it's learned behavior or just suck, something stuck with them. And so they decide, you know what, we're going to get him. We're going to get as much information out of his zombie brain as possible. If he can even communicate, and then we'll get out. So Chandra and Tafari start putting up walls of fire and time. To slow the zombies or just burn them. Walls of Fire and Time is my new album name. <laughs> that is a kick-ass album name. Oh, my God. Um, and Arlen is actually able to rush in and get to Warren because she knows him. And she's questioning him, like, hey, what did you do with the box? Like, what do you know about this? All he can say is the name Denik over and over again. So Arlen realizes they're not going to get anything more out of him. And as an act of mercy, she snaps his neck. Okay. And they actually decide they're going to head to uh, Gavnoi, which is where Warren is from. It's one of the other providences. Okay. We quickly learn that the Betzold family has been... Betzold family home has been overrun with ghosts, and no one has seen Denik since before Emrakal came to the plane. So it's just in like three years. Well, it's just like because every step of Innistrad, it's like, why do people fucking live here? Like, Everyone wants to go. Yeah, we got a zombie town. My mansion's infested with ghosts. The vampire came one, last one week. One town got turned into ooze. Yeah, right. There's a god sealed in our moon. The dude who's our protector is a total asshole. And oh, he's worse than this. He's worse than everything. Everything I've got stuff with Soren with the Nahiri. We're gonna talk about later. No, no, his ego has reached such a peak in this next part. It's so funny. I'll see my thoughts for Soren when we get to yeah. here, because actually I have got I've got passages written into the script about it. But yeah, um, just like man, Innistrad is a bummer. Like, no one wants to live there. The, the, the closest thing we have to something nice is this Harvest Tide Festival, and it's already almost summoned like an ancient god. It had summoned an ancient yeah, god. Yeah, briefly. They just stopped it. <laughs> it briefly summoned an ancient god. Like, oh my god. There's no. It's. <sighs> Like, where, where is there, I don't know, I, like, how do you even have a good time on this plane? You just, like, wake up with a frown. And, and, like, I just picture, like, a movie screen where you wake up and you're, like, frowning, and then it cuts to, like, seven different scenes of you, like, going through your day, and yep. that frown is the same, and then you just go to bed, and the frown is exactly the same. Exactly. Well, we like, had that guy, uh, Launt from the last one, who was yeah. the werewolf, didn't even know he transformed. Yeah, that was, that was the story with the pod children, where they were like, um, don't answer the knocking. He's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, if you hear the door, it's someone knocking the door, don't answer. Okay, yeah, fine, go back to bed. Yeah. Um, so they get back, you know, it's over on zombies, no one's seen Denik in years, because he was afraid of everything that was going over on. Over ghosts, you mean? Yeah, it's over on with ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was afraid of everything that was going on, so we kind of, like, sealed the mansion up. Good. And... Could burn it to the ground, but... Yeah, but he's still in it. Oh. He locked himself in to kind of keep himself safe, but it's kind of become a home for ghosts now. Okay. Yeah. So they send Kaya in. She does her thing. She ghost kills all of them. And they get through, but they find Denik has died, and he died actually like a while ago. Uh, Funnily enough, he died the day after his birthday. 
Oh, good. His Warren, who was his bastard father, um, gifted him a shield, like a, a really beautiful shield to protect people with, because that's what he wanted to do. And then he died the next day. <laughs> um, his spirit actually, though, is known to hang around the town and protect people at night. Oh, cool. So does, the, does, he, does he have a card? He does have a card. Oh, what's it called? Uh it's like Denik the Protector. Denik the... It's a D-E-N-N. Uh, Denik Pious Apprentice is the one that I've got here. That might be it. Oh, what a handsome young lad. Yep, he's dead. How did he die? Uh, We're going to get there. Oh, okay. So, his ghost is still like hanging around the town. Ta- it's hanging around the mansion at this point. And he was crushed by one of the walls falling in like it crushed him while he was like walking by it or something Danik? yeah really <laughs> yeah that's how he died uh. um and he he knows what happened to the key his ghost tells him like hey yeah i know where it is uh it was going it was given to soren markov <laughs> great news oh, yay fucking, oh fucking um, course <laughs> and arlen kind of senses that Danik is having like kind of a crisis right now because he's stuck in the house he's a ghost he doesn't know what to do and Arlen kind of like stays with him for a bit, talks to him, gives him some company. And I think after this, this is where he becomes the town protector. Yeah, he's like, you know what? Maybe I still can find a purpose in my right. death. Um, so <laughs> they head off to Markov Manor. And the last time we saw this place it had been ripped apart by Nahiri during their fight. Yep. And it's still ripped apart. They do find out where Soren had been bound and he chewed his way through the stone. Oh. Like, gnawed his way out like a rat. Hmm. And Soren is in the throne room of the manor. He's got his foot up on the armrest reading a book. Like, in the most douchey position you can think of. He's just, like, casually reading a book in this destroyed manor. And <laughs> they get there. <laughs> I, know, I just picture, like, Soren's like... I would rebuild this, but uh, the guy who cares about whether or not it was built died, and I don't have it in me to care anymore. Pretty much. I, uh, I hate you, Soren. At first, they kind of get there, and uh, Tafiri uh, is kind of like, hey, we need your help, and Soren's like, no, fuck you, I don't like you. Oh, yeah. Then Chandra gets up, and she starts to, like, say something to him. He just looks at her, and Chandra just stops. She, like, backs off. Really? Yeah. Well, because I know uh, is, this is an unfortunate thing that happens to Chandra a lot, because she is very young compared to most of these Planeswalkers. She's only what? like a, I mean, she's only, like, at best 20. Yeah. Depending on where in the story you are, because, like, she learns firebending when she's 11. Yeah. So, like, she's, like, 16 to, like, 25 in these stories. Yeah, I, I do feel bad for Chandra in this. She does have a silver lining in the story, though. Yeah, well, she's, she's got a lot of silver linings. Yeah. But, uh, good to continue. And... Chandra's just like silence with a look. She's like, all right, I'm going to stop talking. So Arlen gets up and she's trying to make the case like, hey, you still care about this plane or you wouldn't have gone through the trouble of creating Avison to protect us. And just mentioning Avison's name pisses Soren off. Yeah. Because he's still, he lost the daughter, essentially. Uh, I don't know. I, I almost feel like it's more like he's, oh, that was a failed experiment. Like he's probably just mad that it didn't work. He, it, I don't think he actually cared at all about Avison, or even Nahiri for that matter. Nahiri, I wouldn't say as much, but Avison, there is kind of like within the story, it kind of alludes that just saying his name does elect an emotional response, hmm. not anger. Like he is upset she is gone. Maybe. 
but then again, most of her life he was slept in a slumped over in a cellar somewhere. Yeah. So, um, and Soren kind of like chastises Arlen. He's like, no one has done more for this plane than I have, which is true in the positive and negatives. And they kind of start fighting about it. And as Soren is about to literally just kill them all, Sigarda, the remaining archangel, busts through the wall and holds Soren off long enough for them to go find the key. No oh, good. So they find it in Soren's bedroom. <laughs> right, right in the dildo drawer. It's on display. Um, <laughs> there's a beheaded statue of Avison with a sword in one hand and her, her arm outstretched, and he put the key in the, in the hand. No. Oh. Because it's a giant silver bowl, like the size of half a basketball. It's pretty big. Okay. So he put it there as like, this is where I'm just going to keep it because I'm an ostentatious motherfucker. Mm. And they're like, great, got it. And as they're like trying to leave, they can hear Soren and Sigarda beating the crap out of each other. Like it makes a point several times to say that they're just like throwing each other into walls Mm. and just stabbing each other. And so they got the key and they just hightail it out of there. I mean, that's what I would do. Yeah. Any anytime I'm in a room with Soren, I'm doing everything I can not to be in a room with Soren. Precisely, unless you're on his good side. No, I don't care even then. <laughs> well, at least you know he won't try and eat. No, he might try and eat you. Yeah, right. Um, you don't know anything. He betrays everybody, and he doesn't give a shit. The worst part is it's an unintentional betrayal. Sometimes, yeah, no. I, it's he's still a dick. So uh, now we switch over to Olivia Voldaren. If you remember. She's the one who took Soren's sword, declared herself the new Lord of Innistrad. And she is a perfect character for this plane. Like she was she's the bane of this plane. She was born by the darkness and molded by it. And she likes it. Mm. And she's the perfect villain. She's no redeeming qualities whatsoever. And at this moment, she's just like lying in a bed perfectly still because she doesn't want to disrupt her face mask. Her face mask is the face she peeled off of her maid to wear as a mask. It's funny because you said face mask, and I'm like, yeah, yeah it's not cucumbers, that's for sure. Right. So one of her servants knocks on the door, and he's a spy for her named Fuhrer. And he comes in to tell her that he spotted the key seekers going back to the forest, and they keep talking about a key. And he's relaying this information to her. He doesn't know what it means. He's just like, yeah. So he also tells her that he found effigies of Olivia and werewolves that they're burning as part of the festival. And she tells him that, you know, we can't react too hastily. Hastily, we should let other people do the work for us. And then that's when we switch over to the Harvest Tide Festival. Hmm. So back at the Celestis, which if you can look up the card, uh, C-E-L... E-S-T-U-S. Celestis MTV. It looks like a giant gyroscope. Oh, uh, whoa. If you ever seen the movie 13 Ghosts, it looks like the machine in the center of the house. That I haven't seen, but this, can you give me the big version, please? Thank you. Um, that's what she said. Anyway. Uh, it's a town-sized machine. Yeah, this thing's dope. Yeah. And, and so the festival's happening, like... In the center of in it. In the center of it, okay. And on all the rings. Oh, okay, so the rings are, like, there to harvest all the hope and joy in order right. to focus it up into the... And, um... Okay. So they get back there. It's near sunset, which now is at, like, 2 in the afternoon. And we actually get a zero in on this character named uh, Dinmia. 
Didamia, a non-binary witch that's carving pumpkins for the children. So like kids come up and they're like, he's like, they're like, hey, what do you want? I want a son. Carves him a son. He creates a ball of fire and puts it in and off they go. And that's what he's doing. What do you want? I want the severed heads, my enemies. Okay. Right. <laughs> Carves the severed head, cuts the other boy's head off. <laughs> Pretty much. So not that gruesome, but yeah. again, these are children. Then again, it is in a strap. I was about to say it's in a strap. Um, <laughs> no one's off limits. So he hears that they're back and he looks over, sees this huge pillar of fire, which is Chandra making an entrance for them. Chandra doing her thing. Yeah. And as they're walking up to the center of the Celestis to get this ritual started, there is this magical ping from throughout the entire festival. Mm-hmm. And then another one. And then another one. This is where my winks from earlier right. come into play. <laughs> and what had happened is shaman werewolves are ripping down the wards protecting the people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as this is happening, Arlen turns and watches hundreds of wolves descend on the festival goers. They're just ripping them apart. They're mostly dressed in, like, uh, leather armor. They're running through holes in the wards. So the wards are still holding somewhat, but there's holes in them. It's they the can inv- get through. It's the invasion of both Wakanda and the Gungans from Phantom Star Wars. Medicine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they get through, and... And then Jar Jar Binks Wolf shows up. <laughs> I Misa, kill you. Misa, cut your head off. Uh, I wonder if I can do, like, a... This is a good, I was trying to like do a growl while doing a Jar Jar Binks voice. I don't know if that's something terrifying. I don't think I'm capable of doing that. <laughs> Everyone starts retreating to the center of the festival while the Gatewatch and company run out to try and protect them. And they should. I'm confident in the Gatewatch here. I'm, I'm placing my bets on them. Although it's not the full party. It's only just Chandra, Teferi. It's Chandra, Teferi, Kaya, Arlen, and that Cathar uh, Aileen. Yeah, She's and, not and, and only, part of them. And only, Two of them are from the only Kaya and Chandra are actually even part of the Gatewatch, right? Because I don't think Teferi or Arlen are the. I think Teferi joined. Oh, okay. He's joined at this point. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so they got three Gatewatch members Arlen and Aileen okay. and her Cathars. All right. Um, so everyone's running in. The non Harkoven, who's the witches leading this, they're directing people. They're trying to throw out more wards. And Teferi, who's holding the key, hands it over to Kaya. And Arlen tells her, get it to Katilda. She can start the ritual. We'll hold them off. Because Kaya can turn into a ghost. No one can touch her while she's holding something. And so everyone's gearing up for battle. And this is when the wards protecting them finally fall. And the second it does, this is where all hell breaks loose. Like the full force of the werewolves are attacking. And they know they need sunlight to complete the ritual. So Tafiri, I'm sorry, not to complete the ritual, to stop the werewolves from transforming because they're still in their human forms. Okay, okay. So Tafiri uses his staff and actually slows down time for the sun to give them as much sunlight as possible. While this is going on, um, he's also extending out to the werewolves, and we actually see a really cool card here, Borrowed Time, where one of the werewolves is starting to attack someone yeah but it's sort of like a video game lag where he's like going back a few frames and then going forward and then back and then forward we like he can't complete the attack oh that's what this card's from yeah oh wow okay that's cool i'm happy to know that right uh it's a white removal spell shockingly which is weird because tafari is blue but isn't he blue white at this he might be blue white i'm pretty sure he's just i don't think i think he's always just blue 
Uh, anyway, yeah. well, don't worry about it. We'll yeah. figure it out later. But yeah, I always thought he was so, just blue. As everyone's getting killed and they're doing their best to defend people, Arlen heads straight for Tolovar. She's like, he's the leader of them. If I take them out, it'll at least stop the attack. Cut the snake off at the head. Exactly. And she meets him and she's begging, like legitimately, like you have to stop. This isn't okay. There is a balance that needs to be maintained here. And he does understand that he just doesn't care. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm going to eat you and anybody in my way and get my werewolf. Um, Because he's learned that if they they just leave the day-night cycle alone, eventually the sun will never rise. It will just be eternal night forever. And the werewolves will always be transformed because there's always a full moon. Well, I will say, um, this is a bit of a side note, but I had this theory because so Zendikar is a very mana-rich plane. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the I think Innistrad is very mana poor, and I, I think what it is is just a seeping loss of mana that's stopping the sun from rising eventually. It's because not. We, what do you mean? It's Emrakul. Oh, okay. okay. She is affecting the solar system. Oh, okay, okay. No, Innistrad is actually well, very. No, but like, no, no, actually, that that that, that tracks because what she's doing is sucking the man out of the plane from the moon, right, and pulling it into herself. No, she's just using her own magic to do so. That's what I'm saying. But she sucks. That's what Eldrazi do is they suck the man out of things. So I think the dra- she's draining the man of the plane. It already didn't have that much to begin with. It could be. But I I don't know if that would actually affect the solar system to that extent. I mean, it's the plane. Like, all, all everything's based on the mana. Right. So, I, I, I mean, it's just a theory. It's something I was thinking about with Zendikar, because um, hey, we'll, we'll talk about it yeah. next episode. But So, uh... Tolvar said on wiping them out, he just doesn't care. And this is when Arlen goes on the offensive. Mm. And she tries everything. She uses a weapon, she finds a couple weapons she finds. She's just trying to kill him. And he's either so strong that he just tanks the hits or can stop her with one hand. Like grabs a mace by the head and it just doesn't move. Like he's just that that he's a brick shit house. Um and this is when Teferi's magic falls and night comes mm-hmm. and all the werewolves transform. Oh, good. So, Including he, Arlen. She's already transformed because oh, she, okay. she has control. So an Arlen werewolf is fighting human Tolovar and losing? Yes. Oh, God damn it. That's how strong this guy is. <laughs> That's annoying. Um, so it gets to the point now where Arlen's being beat back by him because he's transformed. He's got all the strength now. Yeah. And he keeps telling her you know what? Just give in to your wolf side. If you do that, everything will be forgiven. Everything's fine. I mean, he's essentially playing the role of the Arrow King here. Join right. the hunt and you won't be its victim. Exactly. And um, she looks at Arlen's like kind of on the ground and she sees her old pack is there and they're staring her down. Yeah. As kind of like, come on, join us. We were friends once. We can still be friends. Yeah, good old snatch, pinky, bunkus, and gunkus. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Arlen refuses and of our six him on her and they end up like breaking a rib and like beating her up mm. and it's just these four wolves who she won't fight against yeah yeah and at this point Arlen right now has gone back to human form she doesn't want to give another wolf she's not and with Tolvar and beating them each other Tolvar is just tanking the hits he's slower but he's that much stronger mm. so every like three hits that Arlen gives him He's able to deal out one, but it's ten times the damage. So she's still fighting him while the three well, while her pack is, is attacking her. Okay, right. And she's ignoring them. Right. And he keeps on running, come back to the pack, come back. And at one point he grabs her by like the throat and throws her against a tree and a huge piece of wood 
goes through her shoulder, like just pierces through her from the splintered wood. She pulls it out and stabs him in the leg. And this is when Tolvar actually gets mad because yeah. he's she's not been able to actually damage him this, yeah. up to this point. Wait, what? OK, it's not Ren. No, no, no. <laughs> That's not what I was thinking. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll say my theory because I don't think it's right and I don't want to voice it and sound stupid. So go right. ahead. So, and, then, and then if I'm right, I'll say that I was right. So I'll take credit post-facto. <laughs> um, during this point, Arlen is thinking back to her time in the church and the spectacle of it. And Tolver's whole message is, you know, giving your animal instincts, that's in a strat. Just let go, stop being a human, enjoy it. And Arlen kind of has this revelation where she realizes that that isn't a strat, the animal instincts. But at the same time, it's the people that live here. It's the ones that no matter what, they don't give up hope. They keep fighting. So mm. he picks her up to kill her. And Arlen takes her claw and pl- pushes into his chest. Mm. And now they're at a stalemate because mm. he can kill her. But Arlen can kill him in the process. Oh, yeah. So they're kind of locked there as all this fighting's happening around them. And Arlen finally says, listen, you leave now or I will kill you. I don't care what happens to me. Hmm. And Tolvar retreats. He actually pulls everyone back. Really? Because he doesn't want to die. His whole thing is he wants to be in control. And he can't do that if he's dead. Yeah. And this is when uh, Arlen, the Pax Hope, started. Like, that's what the card is. This is when she becomes a Danganronpa character. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this is actually like a lot of stuff. The uh, Storm the Festival is the attack. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, the- I was trying to find. There's that one card. Uh, it just doubles your attack during your attack phase. Yeah. Um, uh, a natural growth. Yeah, a natural growth. Although I was wondering because I thought that was a festival, but that's actually probably just the black wolves. That that's get just the dire wolves during the yeah. uh, during the night. Um, yeah. So that card rules. Anyway, go on. Despite everything that's going on, um, Arlen is making her way up to the the center of the Celestis, and the whole structure is glowing bright orange, meaning the ritual is actually, it's close to being done. And they describe it as the kind of orange of tongs pulled right out of a blacksmith fire. Okay. So she's, like, passing out from blood loss. She's got broken ribs. She actually gets put on uh, Aileen's horse, and eventually Chandra and Aileen have to carry her to the center of the altar. Mm. And this is when it's revealed that Catilda needs a werewolf, a willing werewolf, for this ritual. (laughs) Kind of nice of her to not mention that at any point. Like, Um, hey, just so you know, now that we've gone through all of this, uh, someone's got to die. It it doesn't require death. Oh, okay. So they get there, and Catilda starts ritual. She needs the ingredients, which are the blood of a werewolf, Arlen, the bite of a werewolf, which is Arlen biting at an herb that's put in, mm. and some sort of root that they add, and Catilda's own soul. Oh. Oh, and so Catilda's sacrificing herself. She's going to sacrifice herself. Okay. And just as her soul is, like, coming out of her eyes and mouth in a very classic, like... Oh, uh, like, light beam. Yeah. Like, yeah. It point into it. This is when Olivia Voldaren comes up. Oh, yeah, I forgot that you said, let's let others do the work. (laughs) Right. There's actually a card for this. Um, Where is it? I just saw it. I just have it pulled up. Uh, Olivia's Midnight Ambush. Um, As Katilda's soul is entering the the key, 
she comes up, grabs Catilda's body, and she goes, all right, I'll trade you the key for the witch. So, but they don't know if they can even complete the ritual. And Arlen starts looking around, and all the other witches are like, yeah, we need Catilda to do it. Why does Olivia even care if this ritual goes off? They're vampires. Oh, are they weak in the sun on this one? Okay, yeah. it, it was never weirdly never touched upon yet. I think the only one who's moon is Soren. Oh, okay. Because Planeswalker. Yeah. Um. So they need Catilda to complete the ritual because it's her soul in the key. And so Arlen goes, yeah, so, sure. And so Olivia trades it. Well, but I mean, Olivia's uh, choice here is no ritual or no ritual. Because they don't, don't they need both to finish it? She wants the key for some reason. Right, but don't they need both the key and Catilda's soul to finish this? Right, but Olivia wants the key. Okay. So she's ransoming Catilda's body for the key. Hmm. Um, so Arlen goes, yeah, and trades trades the key for Catilda, and Olivia flies off, and the Eternal Night has begun. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, there is one more story, and this is actually a hopeful story, which I really wanted to include just because... It's something good. Yeah, I was about to say, because, like, I'm kind of bummed right now. Yeah, there's... <laughs> there, there, nothing good has happened here yet. There's this girl named, uh, Agili. A, uh, A-L-G-L-I. Agli. A-L-G-L-I? Agli. Agli? Agli. Uh, she's an old woman. She's a widow. She used to run a tannery with her husband. Uh, they were attacked by ghouls. And in an effort to get rid of them... They burned down the tannery, which killed her husband and her youngest child. Wouldn't that be extremely explosive? I don't know too much about tanning hides, but isn't there, like, chemicals involved? Modern day, but I don't think back then. Oh, yeah, I think you just hung the skin on a sheet in right. the sun. Um, so she joins this sort of, like, small cult with a number, another woman called uh, Struda, and it's led by a nam- man named... Ah, Struda, inventor of the strudel. <laughs> yes. Uh, Aludo. Inventor of the loot. Yes. Uh, so one night they're in the middle of this clearing and they're trying to revive someone called the Buried Lord. And to uh, them, not, not a great thing, but no, okay. there's no good. There's nothing good on Innistrad. <laughs> it's like, oh, the Buried Lord. That doesn't call to mind like a helpful, friendly lord. <laughs> right. So to them, it's a god that can protect them because mm-hmm. there's stories of like he can w- protect them from the werewolves and the vampires and the ritual they're performing doesn't work. And so they all kind of like just disperse and, uh, uh, Agley, I'm going to call her Agley. She's just sitting there distraught because all of her hope was in this. As she's sitting there, she's like, all right, someone's watching me. Turns around and there's an angel sitting on a log behind her. And she's like bleeding from her side, but she's giving her comforting hand and she was called there by the ritual. She oh. doesn't know how, but she was. And she explains that the buried lord isn't a god, but a very powerful elder demon. Great. Right. He's a demon lord. Yeah. Uh, and he he's very unique because, like most demons, he can't die. And if he's killed, the mana of the plane will eventually just reborn him. Okay. And this is very typical for uh, demons and demon lords. That's good to know. This is why Avacyn was throwing him in the Hell Vault rather than killing them. Yeah. Because they'll just come back. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Elgie, El, so, Elgie, I'm going to call her Elgie. That's what I'm going to call her. Because okay. it's easy to remember. 
Uh, she helps the angel banders it up, and she tells her what's been happening the last couple of years. Yeah, because the angel is like kind of confused. She's like, "I don't know where I am. I don't know what's happened. Fill me in the last couple of years." And she fills her in on Emrakal and all that. And she thinks the angel is one of the ones that went mad, and that's why she doesn't remember. And tells her about the vampires, the werewolves, the ghouls, and finally the angel introduces herself as. Lysa, Archangel, once led the Flight of Dusk. Oh. So she was the one that Avacyn killed a thousand plus years ago. Yeah, and now she's back. Right. Because of the ritual. And what happened is she had bound herself to the Buried Lord to get information. So when he came back, she came back. Oh. So she's one of the few angels now that can uh, resurrect. Can I, can I get that name one more time? Uh, L-I-E-S-A. Lisa. She's the cool angel yeah was like and full that, armor. there's a card i guess the forgotten archangel yep that's probably or it could be like the dusk reborn or something uh, like that there's the shroud of dusk and then forgotten archangel i'm guessing shroud of dusk is her original form and then forgotten yeah. archangel is this one who so and then she became the ultimate hope um so they soon find uh Alato and he's dead. He's like half buried in the ground, and they're like, "That's not good." And they keep going farther. Oh, you mean Aluda? Aluda, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I hate these names. I hate old English names. I was about to say your pronunciation. Your pronunciation today has been has left a lot. To be I have tired. read this script so many times trying to get the names down. I hate old English names. Um, so they just, keep just give them new English. Like give them a Boston accent every time they do it. Like, it's Alato. Alato. Um. They keep going. They find... That wasn't a Boston accent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they find Struda, and she's being held by the buried lord, who's just got her by the throat. Yep. And before they can do anything, he kills the woman. The demon kills her. Just eats her in one bite. Much like a toaster strudel. Right. And so Lysa and the buried lord, they kind of fight a little bit. But it's more like they're stretching their limbs out after being asleep yeah, like, for so long. Uh, what is the genie like? Ten thousand years. Exactly. Eedy be living space. Yeah. Lisa, Lisa actually ends lands a killing blow, mm. and it doesn't actually kill him. It's enough to like make him retreat, and he just kind of like ducks underground. So the barrier lord is just hiding underground right now, and mm. Agley, Agley starts praying and she's chanting something she found in an old tome which not a good idea. not a good idea again she was part of a cult trying to summon a demon god and this actually calls him to her oh so okay he goes to eat her and she takes a torch and jams it in his mouth is the angel still here yeah she's okay. still there but it's like it's happening like split that second like, okay so she jams a torch in his mouth and that's enough of an opening for lisa to, lisa lisa jesus uh, to Lysol. Lysol. To kill him by stabbing him through the back of the neck. So that actually, like, decorporeates him for a bit. Decorporeates yeah. uh, <sighs> I can't. I actually don't even know. Incorporeal. Decorporeal. It kills his body. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just go with that. Removes his physical form. Kills his physical form. Incorporealizes, maybe? I have no maybe. idea. I know what word you're trying to get at, but no, but I can't I, think of it. Exactly. <laughs> it's definitely not decomporeal things, so that's, that's, that's something else, but that is funny. Uh, so she kills him and, well, kills his form, and Agley offers to actually take his body and make it into leather armor for the angel. 
because she's a tanner. She can do that. Oh, cool. So it's not really clear if she does, but this is where the story ends. And the positive point of this is the number of archangels on Innistrad has gone from one to two. And so that's and, a very and this good Lisa thing. Lisa has never been corrupted. No. She was uh, out of the game for a thousand yeah, years. So, so now we have like a p- probable force of good. And she is one of the original Archangels of Innistrad. Yeah. And actually what's cool here flavor-wise, because I have a card pulled up, the Forgotten Archangel. And this is definitely the one that refers to this. Yeah. Because she's uh, two, then two white, and a black. And the black is her tied to the Buried Lord. Mm-hmm. That's cool. She's one of the few angels that has black mana. Yeah. Most of them are pure white. And that is the end of Midnight Hunt. Uh, yeah. Ooh, boy. Uh, bummer all around. Yeah. <laughs> it's, one, it's not a good plane. I mean, like, so it's funny, because we've covered, we've done so many episodes at this point, and, like, can you think of anything where the good guys actually won? Not without the bad guys <laughs> fucking up. Well, and even then, it's like, I mean, like, because even then, if the bad guys fuck up, they still lose, the good guys still lose in well, the end. Well, look at Emrakal. The only reason they quote unquote won that fight like she was she's like, I, it's not my time yet. I'm going to go take yeah. a nap. Yeah, I wasn't supposed to be here yet. I mean, I'll give Liliana credit, though. I mean, if she didn't need to, like, rest her muscles, she might have killed that thing. Emrakul? Yeah. I don't know. She can't be that strong. Because Emrakul, I think, is the largest and strongest of the Eldrazi Titans. The right? actual body of Emrakul, mind you, it's like a jellyfish. Yeah. Uh, is 150 feet tall. Yeah. So that's 150 feet, and then there's the tentacles underneath. And it does. this is the one that warps reality around it, right? This is the one that warps minds. Oh, okay, okay. So it warps living things, and then on top of that, it can manipulate gravity around it. Yeah, I was about to say, because um, in my Magic the Gathering art book for Zendikar, yeah. people get like sucked up into her field if you're underneath her. Yeah, it's it's not a good thing. It, no. uh, it appears she can also create storms, too, which... Yeah. Happens on Innish. I mean, that that could also just be her like sneezing. True. <laughs> like, like her, she probably that big. She just exudes enough like air pressure to like change the. Well, the uh, the gravity effect is actually a passive effect. She's not even doing it. That's yeah. just that's how a, big she is. She has her own gravity field. It's no, she around her gravity just warps. Hmm. That's just the nature of her being. You know, like that's the equivalent to her heartbeat. Like it's just something that happens. Hmm. So. Oh god, I hate Innistrad and I love it so much. Uh, I mean, it's it's fun. It's gothic horror. It's just like god, I'm so bummed right now. And, it, and nothing we're gonna talk about like you and I today is gonna be any better. You wanna know what the worst part about it is? Mm. Crimson Hunt, Crimson Bow, which is the final set, doesn't end good either. Yeah, I know. Well, because like even like so far we've covered Kam- Kamigawa that ended poorly. Like the only thing that was accomplished was Light Paws became the region to the Emperor. Yes. Oh, uh, I wanted to mention something on Kamigawa, the oh, reality sorry. chip. Does have a card? Yeah, no. Okay, I had mentioned it in the episode. We talked about it like quite specifically. I don't remember. I uh, will try to listen to our podcast once in a while. Maybe you will. <laughs> I'm uh, here for it. But actually, on Kamigawa, I actually have uh, our first like important correction. Um, I in the f- opening paragraph, I said that the set designer, set designer Brandy Dommermuth, called it Shinto gone wrong. It's actually Brady Dommermuth. <laughs> I, I added the N into it and made it a, a woman's name. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah, that came up when I was looking at Zendikar, and uh, I was like, wait, Brady? Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I don't know. Any other thoughts on Innistrad? It's so much sadness. Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember in my head what our episode schedule is, so I think after this episode is maybe another episode of Innistrad, or it'll be... 
episode three of Zendikar. Probably Zendikar. Um, well, no, because we just did Innistrad three, just went up. Yeah. Today. And then we got... Innistrad two... No, okay, all right. So up next is, well... Let's not confuse the audience, because yeah. I'm also getting confused. But I, 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 We do have a release schedule, we just don't have it in front of us. Yeah, so. um, but I, I believe the next one is actually going to be Innistrad, if I'm not mistaken. No, this is Innistrad 4. The next one is going to be Zendikar 3. Okay. Uh, we, record, we record these ahead of time, uh, just because it takes like a lot of work to put these together. Like For yeah. Zendikar, I, I wrote Kamigawa, that was our first script, and since we did those episodes, I've been working on Zendikar, and I still just finished the second episode. We but, are, we've been working on this, what, like three or four months. Yeah. We have a so, backlog of episodes, which is good. Yeah, but, but we need to give ourselves the buffer zone, just because, like, like with Zendikar, I finally cracked the nut yesterday. Uh, but, like, getting the lore has been difficult, and you'll see why when I talk about it um, in in the Zendikar episode. Well, actually, the audience will have already heard that. <laughs> anyway, let's not worry about yeah. it. Uh, yeah, well, I appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you on the next plane. Peace out, everyone.